This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 126, with Patrick Bet David. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobsher here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show I'm honored to be joined by Patrick Bet David. Patrick's amazing story starts with his family fleeing Iran during the revolution to a refugee camp in Germany, eventually immigrating to America when he was 12 years old. And he eventually became a U.S. citizen. After high school, Patrick joined the U.S. military and served in the 101st Airborne before starting a business career in the financial services industry with Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. After a tenure with a couple of traditional companies, he was inspired to launch PHP Agency, an insurance marketing organization, and did so before he turned 30. PHP is now one of the fastest growing companies in the financial marketplace. Patrick is passionate about shaping the next generation of leaders by teaching thought-provoking perspectives on entrepreneurship and disrupting the traditional approach to a career. Patrick's popularity surged and created a buzz in the hearts of entrepreneurs all over the world when he published a video on YouTube, The Life of an Entrepreneur in 90 Seconds, a video he created that has accumulated over 25 million views online. This and scores of other videos compromise his library of edifying educational and inspirational content about entrepreneurship. What Patrick's online audience and fans most appreciate about Patrick is that he isn't just a YouTube personality regurgitating content they learn in books. Instead, he's an active CEO dealing with day-to-day challenges ranging from hiring, firing, negotiating with investors, compliance, marketing, expansion, and many other facets of running a business. This also led to the interest from one of the largest online entrepreneurial magazines, Entrepreneur.com, being interested in featuring his content on their site and Entrepreneur Network, their online YouTube channel. Patrick speaks on a range of business, leadership, and entrepreneurial topics, including how and why to become an entrepreneur, and the importance of learning how to fully process issues. He's particularly passionate about the need for every individual to pursue their desires, once stating, most of the greatest world changers and heroes of all time are at the graveyard undiscovered because they never sold out to their dreams and desires. Patrick has also hosted a series of one-on-one interviews with some of the world's most interesting people, including billionaire and entrepreneur Mark Cuban, Apple co-founder Steve Steve Wozniak, NBA Hall of Famer James Worthy, author of The 48 Laws of Power, Robert Greene, among many others. To further encourage individuals to seek mentorship and counsel from some of the greatest minds out there, three years ago, Patrick launched the Entrepreneur's Book Club, which has gained notoriety from tens of thousands of people worldwide that read the signed book of the month 
for a chance to win monthly prizes. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MCLobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start and how to get the results you want? For more valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. Globally, coffee is a $90 billion industry and international coffee farms offers a sustainable income opportunity through offshore sustainable agriculture. You can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. For more information on this income opportunity, you can download your free report at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Panama. Listeners of the Cashflow Ninja can grab a free audiobook download from Audible when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audiobook download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be on. Yeah, honored to have you on. Thank you so much. Can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey with my listeners? Absolutely. So for me, uh, I was I, I lived in Iran for about 10 years. And when Khomeini died in 1989, I think it was June 3rd of 89, six weeks later we left, we went to Germany. I lived in Germany at a refugee camp for a couple of years. And then from Germany came to the States. Uh, I lived in Glendale, California for about six years. I had a 1.8 GPA in high school, which for some folks who are not from America, 1.8 is, is pretty bad. And uh, right after high school, I joined the Army. I was in the U.S. Army for a few years. I got out. Uh, I wanted to be the next Middle Eastern Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, marry a Kennedy, be a Mr. Olympia, Hollywood star, businessman. But uh, it didn't work out that way. I met a girl who I was at Venice Beach. She approached me. We became friends. And every time we go out on a date, she would pick me up in a different car. And then eventually I asked her, I said, how do you make your money? And she told me she works at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. So I started working at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter the day before 9-11, then left uh, uh, and uh, was with uh, Transamerica for seven and a half years. And in October of 2009, started our own firm, PHP Agency, out of, out of uh, Northridge, California, with about 66 insurance license agents. And now, seven years later, we got 3,200 agents in 49 states and uh, started uh, – dabbling in social media four years ago and then all of a sudden that led into something bigger today with Valuetainment which has now um, followers from 175, 180 plus countries around the world that follow Valuetainment. It's incredible and what an incredible story. So from Iran to a refugee camp in Germany, uh, can you share a little bit about what that was like and some of the experiences that you had there? Yeah, so Germany, it was, it was interesting when I lived there. You know, it was uh, people from Albania, people from Poland, Czech Republic, uh, Yugoslavia. There was a lot of people there from Yugoslavia. I learned a lot about their culture. But, uh, you know, just whatever you picture it is, you'll learn their culture. I thought one of the best things it was when I was there is learning how to handle uh, uh, other families, other ethic- etiquettes, other cultures. You know, it's going to be... There's the darker side to it as well. I remember one time I got stabbed by a kid from Afghanistan who was two years older than me. Uh, Germany was also the first time I was 10 years old. So I think, let me tell you a funny story here. When I lived in Iran for 10 years, my mother and my father never once let me play outside. My dad said, you cannot play outside because in Iran they were kidnapping kids. 
and they were selling their body parts. That's not the funny story, by the way. Let me tell you the funny story. Right. So I'm living in Germany, and I'm out. I'm doing my thing, and I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. I'm, I'm 10 and a half years old the first time I learn about sex at this uh, refugee camp. And when I tell you about sex, I'm not talking about actual sex, although that did come later on. I'm talking about the first time these two kids who were six years older than me, they taught me about how kids are born. Let me just put it to you this way. I didn't talk to my mom for two weeks straight. I was, <laughs> I could not believe she would let my dad do such a thing to her. But later on, I realized what a great thing it is that he did to my mother. But, uh, uh, you know, when I lived there was my first experience for entrepreneurship. I learned about selling. I learned about how it is to make money. I was broke. My parents got a divorce, so it wasn't something that I grew up a lot of money. Uh, I found a local swimming pool that allowed me to go out and clean all their beer bottles. And for every beer bottle I brought in, they gave me five fennec. And eventually I collected 5,000 beer bottles, collected 250 marks, and went and bought myself a Super Nintendo. At that time, Super Mario Brothers 2 was coming out. And uh, I was the coolest cat in town because I bought my own Super Nintendo with my own dime and everybody would come to my place to play the games. We had a great time. It was good stuff at that time in Germany. No, that's very, very interesting. Now, you're in the United States. I see so many successful entrepreneurs that are immigrants such as yourself and fellow South African Elon Musk. And through the years as I go into business networks and investor meetups, you know, you come across many immigrants that are from all over the world, Africa, the Middle East, Asia, Eastern Europe. What is it uh, that about the immigrant mindset and the work ethic that drives them to success? about what is it that the about the immigrant mindset that drives them to success look you know uh, it's very easy for me you're trying to tell me i can come to a country i have the freedom to believe in anything i believe in i can be a christian a catholic a muslim an atheist an agnostic i can simply go out there and say god doesn't exist i can even say i am god i can do that in america i can talk smack about the president I can make blogs about the president, how much I can't stand him or how much I love him, and I won't get arrested. I remember when we first came to America, it was like we were in America for like two days and we were watching the news. And my mother was watching one of the news channels that was bashing the president. And all of a sudden, the person went off. This is the worst president we've ever had, et cetera, et cetera. My mother said, poor man, they're going to kill him tomorrow uh, (laughs) because she's not used to the systems in America. And so, so regulation is lower. You're hoping it stays that way. And I can start an any, a business anytime and get to work and I can make any kind of money I want to make. I mean, there's no such thing as that in the world. This is the only country that has it set up this way. And so when an immigrant comes in and it's almost as if you've had your handcuffs and shackles on for 10 years and somebody says, guess what? Let's take off these handcuffs and shackles. You're free. What would you do? Your first reaction is disbelief. There's no way in the world they took off my handcuffs and shackles. So at first, the first 6, 12 months, you almost don't believe it. But the moment you realize your handcuffs and shackles are really off, then you really start exploring. And you really start realizing, man, if I have to only work 80, 100 hours a week for me to go out there and become a millionaire or a decamillionaire, I don't have a problem working 80 hours a week. I don't have a problem working 100 hours a week. I'll get to work. And I think sometimes people who are born in America don't really take advantage of the system as much as immigrants do. And immigrants who do, we know what happens to them. 
No, absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the funny thing is it blew my mind the one time I was in Italy and I was out for dinner too, and I was making conversation with one of the waiters, and we were talking about the real estate. I think this was in Venice, and we were talking about the real estate around there and the beautiful buildings and all these older buildings. And even then at that stage, I said, well, you know, I, you know, I just started asking him questions about the market, who's buying, where can you buy buildings, you know, properties. And he's saying, well, we can't buy these buildings. You know, these buildings have been in families for ages, you know, especially around these areas. It doesn't get passed down. Where when you come to the United States, I mean, <laughs> you can you can imagine the, the mindset of the folks yep. that came from Europe here and said, wait a second. I, <laughs> I can do anything and be anything I want to be. Are you kidding me? No, it's true, though. It's absolutely true. I mean, I was in France having uh, breakfast at Angelino, and the, this couple sitting right next to me, and I said, hey, uh, so what brought you guys to France? He says, well, I was born here. I said, so, you know, how do you like living here? He says, I didn't say I still live here. I just was born here. I said, where do you live now? He says, I live in Atlanta. I said, why in Atlanta? He says, I work for Coca-Cola. I said, so why did you leave France? He says, socialism and communism doesn't work. Right. It just doesn't work. And it was very simple. I'm not trying to get political on but it just doesn't work. It, so what socialism and communism does is the following thing. And I'll kind of go into this because sometimes people who live in America haven't experienced the other part. And they think it's very beautiful and dandy to do that. But this is all it does. It's very, very simple. The talented people always leave. And those who like social programs stay. It's that simple. In Iran, the talented people left and came to America. I always run into people and they say, you know, uh, I meet a lot of Persians, man. They're such great business people. I meet these Israeli people. They're such great business people. No, no, they're, they're not all great business people. The great business people left Iran and came to America. <laughs> there are a lot of Iranians and Israelis that are not great in business that are left in Iran and Israel. But you're right. The business people who left, they do very well here. Now, and let's talk about education for a second, because that was another thing that you mentioned earlier. So you come to the United States, you didn't go, you went to the military, you didn't go to college, and you apply for a job. And what was that like to get into the financial industry? Because there's a lot of gatekeepers there. Um, so what were some of the creative ways that you that you launched a, a job in the financial services industry? Yeah, so, you, you know, you, you got to think about it this way. Einstein once said, if you ask a fish to climb a tree, he will feel like an idiot, right? Right. So I think a lot of times, like yesterday I had an executive meeting. I sat on all my executives, and when I was sitting on talking to them, one of my executives has been very, very agitated. He's been very, very agitated the last, I don't know, the last couple months. And I sat him down, and I asked him a question. I said, listen, you know, we are asking you to do X, Y, Z. You know, and you don't seem to like doing X, Y, Z, but I want to ask you, your KPI, which the ways are, we're measuring your success is based on doing such and such. And do you really want to be held to that? Or do you feel like that's not your expertise? He says, Pat, honestly, if you need me to do it, I'll do anything for you, but I hate it. And I said, look, then I'm going to bring somebody else to do that job. And I'm going to put you and reposition you in this area because that just happens to be your strength. You should have seen this guy. He was lit up. It was as if he became a six-year-old kid for 30 minutes because he went from an a area where he was positioned that he wasn't bringing out his strengths to another area that was bringing out his strengths, and he was absolutely happy. I think sometimes when you have an educational system that treats everybody the same, there's going to be a group that's going to feel like an idiot. That's just what's going to happen. That's exactly who I was. I was in high school. I was like a project to most of my teachers. 
everybody looked at me as the poor kid. Oh, he's not smart and he doesn't pay attention to anything and he doesn't figure things out. And yes, he's good in math analysis, but he's not good in all the other classes. And yes, he likes math, but he doesn't like he's not good with government. He's not good with economics. He's not good with this. He's not good with that. So because they said that so many times to me, MC, eventually I thought, well, maybe I'm not that smart. And so I get out of high school and I go straight into the army and I go straight into the army. I'm about to reenlist. I get the orders for my colonel and they give me a, a Sears school. They gave me Ranger school and I was recruited to be an 18 Delta, which is like special forces in the army. And they were going to send me to Vicenza, Italy is where I was going to go be stationed at. I was so excited. Six years I was going to reenlist. And I was going to do 20, 30 years in the Army. I was going to be a super soldier. That was my dream. I was destined to one day make $60,000 a year. As long as I stayed in the Army for 15 years and I became an E-9, I would make $60,000 a year with great benefits, which is fantastic. Well, that night at midnight, I get a phone call. I get a phone call from a friend of mine named Kogan Alaverdian. And Kogan is a guy who's a very good friend of mine. And he calls me. I said, Kogan, you realize it's midnight in Kentucky. Why are you calling me at this time? He says, man, I'm just checking on you. I said, yeah, but it's midnight. He says, well, I just got word that you're thinking about reenlisting in the army. I said, of course I am. My dad's excited. Everyone's excited. I got everything I asked for. He said, I think it's the biggest mistake of your life you're making. I said, what do you mean? He says, you're making a mistake. I said, why am I making a mistake? He said, just give me one hour. So he spends one hour with me. He says, Pat, you need to get out. You know, you've already done your time for America. You don't need to do anything anymore. You've already served. Why do you need to do 20 years? I think you would do so well in business. You would do so well in, you know, all this stuff. He spent one hour, one hour pouring into me. Let me explain to you what I mean by pouring into me. He spent one hour telling me how much he believed in me. Okay. Now, you got to realize I grew up in a Middle Eastern family. This is not something that's very typical. One hour, this guy tells me that I can make it if I get out of the army. And guess what happened that night? I didn't go to sleep. I woke up in the morning. I went to my Colonel Peacocks, uh, one of my favorite leaders of all time that I worked under. And I told him, I said, yeah, I know you're going to be disappointed, but I have to make a decision. I got to get out of the army and I got to go figure my life out. So I get out. Okay. I get out of the army and I start doing everything. And if you would have told me I was going to go from zero to a net worth of $100 million at 38 years old, I would have never believed you. I would have said, you're out of your mind. There's no way in the world a guy like me is going to go there, and none of my friends believe it. So you asked me the question about education. Where am I going with all this stuff? This is exactly where I'm going with all this stuff. I think our current educational system, colleges, universities, are all started off with a noble cause. It started off with an entrepreneur who always thinks about an innovative way to make, thing, make things better. So an entrepreneur is looking at, they're saying, wait a minute, teachers are mothers teaching their kids. This is what teachers were for many, many, many years. Why don't we structure this so we can start teaching these things and taking the best teachers and they can teach our kids. And let's start there. Great idea. So it was all noble. The cause was good. We're going to do good. Then it was still good. And then all of a sudden it became a business. Once it became a business, this is what happened. Let me give you some stats here in America, MC, that'll uh, uh, flip you out. From 1971, listen to these stats. From 1971 till today, listen to these stats. 1971 till today, the average value of a house has gone from $28,000 in 1971. Today, it's roughly 288. So it's grown 11 times, okay, 11 times since 1971. Private college tuition has increased 17 times of what it was in 1971. 
it was, you know, $1,800, now it's $33,000. Public tuition has increased 18 times. So private is 17 times what it was in 1971 to go to college per year. And public is 18 times. Property value has increased 11 times. Now, the question becomes this. That's all okay as long as our income goes and grows by 17, 18 times. The average income in 1971 was $10,900. Today, it's $55,000. It's only increased five times. So our income's increased five times. Yet all this other stuff has increased 11 to 18 times. How the hell can we even catch up with all this stuff? See, colleges went from being a very noble thing to now becoming a very big business. And on top of that, MC, let me explain to you business and you tell me how you would like to sign up for this business. What if there was a business out there where you can take advantage of 18-year-old naive customers that don't know a lot about life? These are not 80, these are not 40-year-old people with experience, but they're 18 years old. They're very naive. You can take advantage of them. You can sell them this dream that if they get this piece of paper, they're going to be very successful. And on top of that, guess what, MC? Just between you and I, you know what else? Here's what else. We don't pay any taxes. Well, what do you mean, Pat? Whatever money we collect from these 18-year-old kids, we don't pay any taxes because it's called colleges and universities. Businesses have to pay taxes. We don't have to pay taxes. Oh, my gosh. Sign me up. That's what happened to colleges and universities. And so I'm not a big fan of the colleges and universities fan. I just wrote a book called Dropout and Get School that's been banned by many different high schools in America. It's been read over 30 30 countries. And my plan is to launch uh, the first online university for entrepreneurs. It'll be called Entrepreneur University. And we're going to revolutionize the way education is taught to the crazy, weird people who think they're a little bit different. Maybe they have ADHD, OCD. Maybe they're a little bit bipolar or hypomanic or manic or whatever you want to call them. People think they're weird. We're going to create a university for those guys to come together and take the courses that they're really going to use in their lives and go out there and have their dreams become a reality instead of taking astronomy in a class for a four-year degree, which I'll never use for the rest of my life. That is extremely exciting, and I am going to help you spread the word with that, with the book, The Dropout and Get Schooled, and Entrepreneur University. And you're listening to Patrick Bet David on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. International Coffee Farms is a real estate-based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. You can own deeded, half-acre parcels in title, already operating specialty coffee farms in Bogete, Panama. They are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with sustainable average income of 12% and with cash flow beginning in 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Bogete, Panama that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Bogete, Panama, with parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a parcel owner, you can download your free income opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. You're listening to Patrick Bet David on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. The other thing, Pat, that also is really inspiring, and I, uh, 
you know, this is actually part of my morning ritual, uh, what you've done with Valuetainment. That video that I watch every day when I get up mm. is the life of an entrepreneur in 90 seconds. <laughs> and it just, it just blows me away every day when I take a look at it, too. What was behind that and what inspired you to, to, st- to make that video, number one? And then uh, tell my listeners a little bit about Valuetainment. Yeah, so, you know, we one day, we started to say, you know, uh, why don't we make a short video that tells the story of the life of an entrepreneur? So initially, the video was going to be titled Best Motivational Video of 2015. Matter of fact, that's how it was uploaded on YouTube, the Best Motivational Video of 2015. And then I direct uploaded it on Facebook October 31st at 3.13 p.m. This is Halloween. In the afternoon, I uploaded and I titled it Life of an Entrepreneur in 90 Seconds. And next thing you know, within 12 hours, it gets 2 million views and then 5 million views and then 10 million views, 20 million views. And now it's over 30 million views and counting. What most people don't realize in that video is that morning, we shot that video at 6.15 in the morning. At 6 o'clock that morning, when I went back in the house, we're shooting right outside my house. When I went back in the house to get a glass of water, my wife is at the kitchen in tears, crying. And uh, I go up to her. I said, babe, why are you crying? It's 6 o'clock. What's going on? She says, my dad just died. And so I had never seen my uh, wife cry the way she was crying that day. That really messed with me that day. And when I came out, you know, the guy said, you want to reschedule the shoot? I said, no, let's just shoot it. And so, you know, whoever feels the emotion, the emotion was some real serious stuff going on that morning when that took place. But, you know, Valuetainment is, is a place that we wanted to create a platform. I went online and I saw a lot of different uh, channels and uh, speakers who do a very good job motivating people. And a lot of times it was great regurgitating of different content. And then some of them who do, who do a fantastic job selling sex and girls and business and nice cars and all that stuff, which is great. It's fancy. It works. Young kids are attracted by it. And uh, I just didn't see anybody who was teaching how to uh, on YouTube. It was a lot of you know, motivation, motivation, motivation. So we took the motivation side and we took the entertainment side and we brought it together and we called it Valuetainment. So anybody can go on YouTube on Valuetainment and learn any video. If you want to find a business partner, we have a video there. If you uh, are having a tough time dating a girl who doesn't understand what it is to be an entrepreneur, we have a video called 15 Things You Should Know Before Dating an Entrepreneur. If your parents don't support you and you're an entrepreneur, there's a video for that. If you want to know how to hire people, fire people, we have a video for that. If you want to know how to uh, develop a strong sales team, we have a video for that. How to scale your business, we have a video for that. So uh, we wanted to create a one-stop shop for people to go out there and watch videos that's going to help them grow their business. Now, we didn't think it was going to get to this point, but it's definitely been a fun journey so far. No, that's fantastic. And the education and the value that you provide is amazing. And that's one, one of the, on one of the levels that I immediately connect and was drawn to that because I'm just as passionate as you are about financial education and education and the, the massive problem that we see out in the school system and the diploma mills or as the universities and colleges that they were formerly known. But, Staying on education for a little bit, so self-taught, you've read as many books as you possibly can, educating yourself, and then also interviewing amazing people. Steve Wozniak, I mean, the name and the list goes on of all these people. What are some of the skills that you've seen all of these uh, millionaires and billionaires uh, have in common that they've mastered? 
You know, it's, it's quite simple, man. You know, it's different for all of them, but it's typically a combination of high level of curiosity. Okay. They have a high level of curiosity on what they want to do. They're typically purpose driven is what they have. They got a purpose on what they want to do. They got an edge over everybody else because you can tell a lot from someone's eyes. You know, I always, I'm a guy that judges salespeople based on their eyes. I can look at a guy's eye and, you know, 90% of the time I'm pretty accurate when I say this guy's this guy's going to do something with his life and this guy's absolutely full of it. Eyes just don't lie. You know, if you want to run a credit score on somebody to find out if you should give them a million dollars to buy a house, you can run their credit score and make a decision there. But there's not really a measuring stick to figure out if somebody is going to be somebody in life or not. I says a lot. So, you know, these guys have a chip on their shoulder. They have a point to prove. They think they can do it better. They think they can do it faster. Somebody told them they couldn't do it. Uh, there's typically a commonality with a lot of trials they face growing up, whether it's a bad relationship with a mother or a father or a girl that broke their heart or a boy that broke their heart or a parent that was abusive or somebody, a teacher that was negative to them or they were bullied in school. And it's, you know, normally all these things that we say not to do are the reasons why people end up becoming extremely successful. I mean, you think about Steve Jobs' story. You know, here's a guy whose mother gave him up for adoption. Go figure that one out. Mom gives him up for adoption and an Armenian mother and husband who couldn't make a baby because they just couldn't get pregnant decide to adopt him and they adopt him and Later on, they asked him, they said, who's your mother and your father? He said, these are my mom and dad. It's not about biological or not. They're my mom and dad. And it was almost a chip on his shoulder to say, listen, you didn't think I was valuable enough to keep me. I'm going to show the world that I was one of the most important babies that was ever born in the world. So, you know, you got to figure out a way to have the fire in your belly to go out there and prove a point. And sometimes it's just a pure, sheer competitiveness that a person has. But typically, there's something that lights a fire. And that fire is different for everybody. And one habit that I've observed from wealthy and successful people is they're always studying and studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? So what am I currently studying? I think currently right now we are uh, studying the human behavior. Uh, I'm studying human behavior. I'm studying a lot of um, marketing right now, marketing strategies. So uh, some of the oldest books that are having to do with marketing. I'm just going through every single one of them. These are the thick, boring books that nobody wants to read that has a lot of nuggets in it that can do a lot for you uh, that sit right next to my desk that very few people want to read. I'm going through that part of it. Uh, And then also, you know, online, seeing trends, seeing what's going on, you know, what's going to happen right now with Twitter next. Twitter, you know, the only thing that's helping Twitter stay in business is a guy named Donald Trump. You know, aside from that, Twitter is just making a lot of mistakes. If, if, if Donald Trump, listen to this, if Donald Trump wasn't president today, think about this for a moment here. Say Donald Trump's not the president and Twitter's not getting this much attention. They're getting killed. Twitter's getting killed. So I want to know what's going on with Snapchat. I want to know what's going on with Instagram. Uh, what adjustments Instagram making? You know, Facebook just announced with job posting. Now Facebook wants to compete with two companies. They're not wanting to compete with LinkedIn and now they want to compete with Amazon. And then they're claiming they want to compete with YouTube. And you just don't compete with a company that's got 1.8 billion people that regularly use it. So I want to study Facebook. I want to know what's going on with YouTube next. I want to know what's going on with Google next. Um, So mainly on that side is what I'm doing. And then obviously the industry I'm involved in is in the life insurance industry. So I'm in a very, very boring industry. 
where no one sees opportunity. And we are seeing a very, very big opportunity. And it's one of the reasons why we're doing very well right now. No, that's very, very interesting. And I agree with you on the marketing uh, content of older books, too. I mean, there really are some gems out there. One that oh, comes yeah. to mind is Propaganda by er- Edward Ber- uh, Bernays, mm-hmm. Floyd's cousin that they coined the term uh, public relations. So it was all about positioning and marketing. And I mean, the, the core message and the core strategies kind of stay the same throughout time. It's just different methods and, and platforms used to implement them. It's true. You're right. And you know, a lot of these guys that end up making it in politics and be making noise at a time like this are the ones that understand marketing better than the other guy. I mean, it's very simple. You had Barack Obama win against uh, McCain or Barack Obama win against Romney. Barack Obama ended up winning with $5 donations because he understood marketing better. Trump went against Hillary. Why did Trump win? Trump understood marketing million times better than Hillary's entire campaign did. Million times better. This is a marketing world, especially if you're running a business and if you don't pay attention to the marketing side and finding a way to be noisy, you will be crushed by somebody else who figures out the marketing side. No, absolutely. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think if people really want to understand what happened in the last election, it's a perfect case study right there mm-hmm. of marketing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people have realized what, what happened. I mean, you, you had a situation where the majority of the media, probably 99%, 0.9%, was extremely negative on a candidate, yet found a way to ignite and really ignite a base uh, through very, very well-crafted marketing messages. Yep, that's, that's, a, that's absolutely right. And he's still continuously doing it. So it's going to be interesting what's going to happen the next three and a half years where now people are starting to question the credibility of media, which hasn't happened for a long time. It is a media is not too happy about Trump being a president. So we'll see what's going to happen next four years. It's definitely going to be entertaining. No, I, and I agree with you. And, and one of the things that I'm also studying is the new media because it is amazing to see what's happening in the landscape where the old traditional, conventional, mainstream media sources are basically obsolete to a point where the eyes and the ears are no longer there. I mean, <laughs> I think there was a joke about, you know, CNN is basically on in the airports and gyms these days. That's where, that's where their ratings are. Um, the eyes and the ears are on smartphones, and I don't think the traditional and conventional guys have caught on to this yet. Yeah, they're going to get killed, and they're already getting killed. This is, like, look what's happening with movies nowadays. Look who's making movies and who they're hiring as actors. Perfect example for you. You, gotta, you, gotta, you want to make a movie. You got two options. Go get a Matthew McConaughey or a Will Smith or Denzel and cough up 20 million bucks. Okay? That's what you're going to cough up. Or go get a guy on Instagram who has 3.9 million followers. Find a bunch of people on Instagram that have 1 million plus followers and see and have them being casted for a role. See which one of them has any kind of you know acting skills, et cetera, et cetera. If they do... Launch it with a smaller budget. You only need to pay these guys $50,000 or $100,000 or $200,000. You make a movie. They're going to share it with their audience. And next thing you know, if it does well, your profit margin is going to be much bigger than giving a guy $20 bucks and risking the possibility of a movie, movie being a flop. The people that understand that part of marketing are going to dominate. the. Ne- and by the way, MC, this is the crazy thing. This is the crazy thing. The Internet 
is just 20 some years old. Now, we're not talking about many, many years ago. I'm just talking in on a like AOL chat. When did AOL chat get started? 94, 93? What was yeah. it? 94, 95? We're 2016, 2017. It's only been 22 years. What did you and I know at 22 years old that you know more about now? 22-year-olds know a little bit, but do you realize what's going to happen when the internet is 42 years old? Holy shit. This means the next 20 years, like, people are thinking it's already done. Like, oh, there's already a Facebook. There's already an Amazon. There's already an eBay. There's already a this. There's a, there's nothing left for me to do. Really? You, you are, like, completely behind the eight ball. The game of soccer has been around for a long time. The best soccer player... They're saying it's Messi, and now Ronaldo and Messi are competing every year. Now, obviously, neither one of them have won a World Cup yet. So in order for Messi to be better than Maradona, he needs to win a World Cup. But look at basketball. Basketball's been around for a very long time. Michael Jordan's only a 20-year player. So that means Michael Jordan came 80 years after the game of basketball had been around. The, The point I'm trying to make to your listeners is to understand the fact that there's already so much opportunity with the Internet, but you got to make your move now. You can't think you're behind, and you can't think you're ahead. You just got to be aggressive about what you're doing now. No, absolutely. Now, Patrick, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Um, okay, so I can tell you one. You know the whole thing about what is the key to success? You know, if you could learn one thing, what would it be? I've heard so many different ones. Uh, you know, be, fa- be faithful, be strong, you know, believe in God, et cetera, et cetera. I can tell you the number one thing, the number one skill I want to teach my kids. I have three kids. I have a five-year-old son, a three-year-old son, and a nine-month-old daughter. If there's one skill set I could leave these kids when I die for them to go out there and have their own lives is one to learn how to process issues. If you learn how to process issues, I believe that is the most important skill set of all time to learn. Here's why. If you learn how to process issues, you will learn not to get married within a week because you're going to take your time to realize anybody you date the first six months is acting. They're fake. We're acting. Everybody's acting. You'll learn people become real after about six to 18 months. So don't get married immediately. Take your time. Number one, we'll be processing issues. The second thing for me would be alignment. Uh, For me, alignment is what I say and what I believe in matches with what I do. If what I say and what I believe in matches with what I do, I'm happy. We become bitter and miserable when we do what we don't believe in. When we behave from a part of not being aligned with what we say. When we do that, we're upset. So it's very, very important for a person to sit down, grab a piece of paper and write down what their beliefs are. And then see if it matches your behavior. And if it does, anytime in life it does, you're happy. Anytime it doesn't, you're not happy. And last but not least, you know, today there are so many things that cause uh, depression and they cause anxiety. What causes depression is as people are on social media, we see so many bad things happening, right? right. We see so many crimes and, and, and things that just mess with our heart, mess with our soul. They just mess with our head. And so it can cause us to kind of look at the darker side of life. And then also at the same time, with social media and so much innovation and competition, we can also constantly get anxious to realize that we're being left behind. So one creates depression. The other one creates anxiety and panic attacks. It's very important today. I see so many people calling me about panic attacks and anxiety attacks and how to handle them. It's very important to understand the two. 
Anytime you feel yourself being depressed, it means you're living in the past or thinking about the past. Anytime you see yourself being too, in, too much anxiety attacks or panic attacks, your spirit's going in the future. Stop doing both. Come back to the moment. Get a pen and paper and figure out what you can do to improve your life now and everything else would work itself out. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Patrick, how can my audience learn more about you, your company, and stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? I think you can always go to YouTube and type in Valuetainment. You know, you will find majority of the content out there on Valuetainment. Uh, you can always send me a Snapchat. We always have my Snap code at the end of all videos. Uh, I respond to messages on Snapchat. It's the easiest way for me to respond to messages. And then if the uh, uh, listeners haven't read the dropout and get schooled yet it's just been out for about four weeks now and you can go read the reviews it's got on amazon it's become pretty controversial uh they can get a lot of uh, value once they read that and if they post their reviews i read every single reviews and respond to them as well fantastic well thank you so much for your time it's been an honor having having you on and thank you for sharing your journey and your knowledge and discussing all these exciting topics it's been a blast well mc thanks for the invite i had a good time with you Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining my guest, Patrick Bet david and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. Coffee is a proven product and a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through international coffee farms, you have a chance to own and operate your own half-acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama, professionally turnkey managed for you. You can download your coffee farm ownership opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, cashflowninja.com. 
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.